The Dear Mr. Fantasy Podcast is brought to you by Fantasy Sixth Man. Are you tired of playing in fantasy sports leagues with delinquent owners that never set their lineups? This season, give yourself an option off the bench. Go to FantasySixthMan.com and sign up for their in-season owner replacement service with league-wide coverage starting as low as $10 per team. Fantasy Sixth Man, we're the first ones off the bench. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dear Mr. Fantasy Podcast. Guys, actually, it's been so long since we recorded a podcast, I forgot what the open was. <laughs> oh, man. Ladies and gentlemen, how's everybody doing tonight? That's right. You know what? We're going to just keep this whole thing in. We're back. It's the Dear Mr. Fantasy Podcast, where we put the fan back in fantasy baseball. There is no take twos. This is live coming to you. Well, it's not live, but we're going to make believe that it is for the time being. To my right, the one, the only, Yancey Eaton. To my left, the one, the only, Mike Yavnielli. I'm the idiot, Jason Consoli. And <laughs> welcome back to baseball season, everybody. Um, We'll get a couple more of these under our belt that I swear I won't forget the uh, I won't forget the open at that point. But uh, yeah, it's good to be back. It's that time of year again that we all get a little uh, little feverish, a little bit a uh, little tingle coming down our uh, spines, a little the uh, little anticipation for the upcoming baseball season. It's been a while since we've done one of these, as uh, as most of you know. If you happen to still be uh, if you happen to be listening to this. Thanks for keeping us in your uh, in your podcast streams. We totally, totally, totally appreciate it. Um, but I've done enough talking. Let's talk to uh, let's talk to some of the other guys. Yancey, been a while, buddy. What do you have to say? How you been? Uh, good. Um, I don't know if you guys have been following me on the other podcast that I do, Pop Goes Your World with uh, Chris McBrien, but I got tore up a little bit by the hurricane, and been, I've been dealing with that for a while. Uh, that was partly the reason uh, that we've been on a hiatus for so long. Of course, we did elect to not do NFL for the season just because all three of us individually had a lot of stuff going on, which I, I'll, I'll let you guys touch on your own stuff individually. But um, I really appreciate the people who have constantly reached out to me and reached out to you guys about when is the show coming back? When is DMF coming back? We miss it. We want to do it. Um, just knowing that there was a an audience out there that appreciated us and wanted us to come back meant a lot. And uh, my apologies to you guys for for making you guys wait so long but it does feel super good to be back yeah and that's i mean we can go through some of the uh, the diehards at certain points either throughout this podcast or throughout the season but yeah there that it we i know personally i i just greatly appreciate all of you who reached out and said you know like hey you know is everything cool with you guys it's like yeah man life just kind of you know happens like i i think i said this the last time that we recorded a podcast but to any of the single guys out there don't ever get married um it's literally something that causes more stress and anxiety in your life than you'll ever <laughs> deem necessary. If you do decide to get married, just go to City Hall or elope. Don't do a big wedding. It's like the worst thing that you could ever possibly do. But yeah, that kind of took me out of the game for a while. But I, I am excited for baseball season. And I know somebody else is excited for baseball season. It's our other co-host, Mike Yavnielli. Mike, say hi to everybody. It's been a while. Hi, everybody. How are you? Mikey! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Mike had some uh, some big life news of his own going on. If if you'd like to share with the audience, oh yeah, you know, you know the the thing that this is another reason for you single guys out there. The reason not to get married is because marriage generally leads to what is going to be happening for me in about eight weeks, and that is going to be I'm a father for the second time. 
There we Thank go. You. Attaboy, Mike. He went all the yep. way. Yes. Yep. <laughs> In baseball, they call that a home run. <laughs> it proves that I scored at least twice. Yes. Congratulations. I'm, I'm assuming everything is, you know, thumbs up, happy and healthy in the uh, in the Avenelli household. Well, well, it's been uh, it's been a bit of a rough go, the pregnancy. But, uh, you know, that's I, I'm the lucky one. I don't have to carry the baby. Yes. Uh, Tanya's going a little nuts. But, uh, you know, we just got to give her support. We love her. And, you know, that's we just got to be here and uh, get her coffee in the morning and uh, make sandwiches and cram whatever, what, whatever she wants. So big shout out to Tanya. We love you, baby. You're Tanya's always been one of my favorites. I, I've known I've known Tanya and Mike now at this point going on like 12, 13 years. So we uh, we definitely are. Our thoughts are out to the uh, to the Avenelli's out there on the West Coast. So. Gentlemen, we have a jam-packed show. We are a little late getting into the game this year in terms of just producing these podcasts. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to just bang out two previews in a row. So we're going to start this week. We're going to launch our American League preview. We're going to go team by team. Uh, Pretty much how you remember us doing it last year. Little twist. We're not going to go through each team's depth chart. Instead, there's a little site out there called MLB.com that did a feature about a week ago that uh, projected each team's batting order. So we're going to go through that. We're going to go through their rotation, and uh, we're going to look at their uh, their bullpen situation, their closers, their setup guys. And we're each going to go through. We're going to pick something we either like that we see, something we don't like that we see, and we're going to see what uh, we're going to discuss it for a little bit. But in the interest of time, because there are a lot of teams to uh, to get to, let's start out in the American League East, and let's start out with the Baltimore Orioles. The batting order projected for Baltimore, and keep in mind, this is all projected as of March 6th, okay? At this time, Mike Moustakis still hasn't signed with anybody. Jake Arrieta is still a free agent. Uh, guys like Jonathan Lucroy, um, you know, there's other people, Lance Lynn. There's, there's, still, there's still a bunch of free agents out there that could shake things up in terms of these depth charts and batting orders. But for now, this is what we're looking at. If you're drafting this weekend, this is the information that you're going to have to go on. So... Projected batting order for the Orioles is as follows. Leading off, Tim Beckham playing third base. Second is Manny Machado at shortstop. Third is Jonathan Scope at second base. Fourth, Adam Jones in center field. Fifth is Trey Mancini in left. Sixth is Chris Davis at first base. Seventh, Mark Trumbo, the DH. Eighth, Colby Rasmus in right field. And ninth, Chance Sisko at catcher. The rotation is going to shape up to be something similar to Dylan Bundy, Andrew Kashner, Kevin Gossman, Chris Tillman, and then for the fifth spot, either Mike Wright Jr. or Gabrielle Noah. The bullpen, Brad Bratch is your closer as of right now. Darren O'Day, Michael Givens, Miguel Castro, Zach Britton is there, but it is worth noting that he is starting the year on the 60-day DL with, I believe it's a Achilles injury that is going to keep him out until at least May possibly longer i'd like to start out actually in that bullpen and bring up brad bratch he is the interim closer but this isn't the first time that he's closed for the orioles in fact last year in the beginning of the season he was the uh, he was closing for the orioles while uh, while while zach Britton was on the disabled list Wound up racking up 18 saves with a 3.18 ERA, a 1.15 whip. I want to go back to when 
He was the interim closer that was pre-All-Star break. If you look at his numbers pre-All-Star break, uh, 15 and 19 saves converted, 41 Ks in 31 and a third innings, batting average against of 167. Now, like I said, Zach Britton's out till at least May. I think that if... I just call this a feeling, and when you look at where he's getting drafted, he's getting drafted 225th overall. I think that if he takes his job and runs with it, which it looks like he did last year, this might just be his job. And you might wind up taking a guy late like him and lucking into something like 20 to 25 saves with really good ratio. So that's a guy in a lot of drafts that I've been participating. I've been shocked to see how far he's going, and I like him at that point. So that's my take on the Orioles. Mike, what about you? What would you like to talk about? Uh, well, I'm sorry. I missed a lot of that. I would just come back from the bathroom. I had to puke when I heard that Orioles rotation. Um, <laughs> that is absolutely disgusting. We're going to get to yeah. a lot worse. There's a lot worse to cover in the American League. There is a lot of trash there. Um, I want to talk a little bit about a pitcher that we all three of us actually had a debate about in the uh, podcast league draft, Dylan Bundy. Uh, look at his 2017 numbers and 28 starts, 13 to nine with a 4.24 ERA. Uh, his career ERA is 4.13, uh, 8.1 K per nine, which is pretty good. Um, 2.98 strikeout to walk, 1.196 WHIP. But the FIP is troubling because it was 4.38. So it really wasn't about luck. You know, I looked at some of the comps because you were talking to me, Jason, about you like his upside, and there's a lot of buzz about Dylan Bundy. The comps for Dylan Bundy, uh, the player similarity comparison tool on baseball reference, Wade Miller, Pat Hentgen, Dan Heron, Edinson Volquez, Stephen Wright. Are any of those top 20 fantasy starters at any point in their career? I think Edison Volquez is just happy to get a shout out on the podcast right now. That's right. Edinson Volquez, he threw a no hitter for the Marlins last year. I am going to stay away from any pitcher that pitches in Baltimore, particularly starters. I mean, at this point with Bundy, yeah, he's got pedigree and he's got talent. He's a high-ranked prospect. But at this point, I'm going to have a hot take, and I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to say he is what he is. Uh, I just think he is what he is, and he's probably best suited as a reliever because that's where he had his most success uh, with the Orioles. He's a fly ball pitcher in a home run hitter's park. And I wouldn't draft him unless he was 70 to 80 spots below his ADP. All right. Nice take on that. Yancey, what about you? Anything on Baltimore standout? Uh, it's a lot of the same story as last year. Uh, the projections don't look fantastic. This looks like a team that's going to struggle to compete. And, you know, for four out of the five last years, they kind of proved everybody that wrong. You guys? able to score a lot of runs. Um, no, you're still here, Mike. I can, I can hear you. Yeah, we got you. Um, so one of the things I also find troubling outside of the rotation, which does look like hot dog shit, is the fact that their batting order suddenly looks very, very poor, whereas a couple of years ago they were one of the better offenses in the league. Uh, Tim Beckham is a fine player. Whenever he came over to them, he was hitting like gangbusters, hit a ton of home runs, but the fact that he's their leadoff hitter really spells trouble, I think, for this team. Um, and one of the most like inexplicable moves, they signed Colby Rasmus, who's been out of baseball for a year and a half due to like personal issues, and he's basically now blocking Austin Hayes, who is one of their top prospects and went from basically like low A to the majors last season. One of the best hitters who, you know, was on a pace to hit something like 40 home runs over a 162-game season. Um, this just looks like a team that's completely in flux. They don't have an identity. They don't have a pitching staff. They don't have a ton of help on the way. Um, 
for the most part, it feels like a stay away outside of maybe Jonathan Scope. And, you know, I like this new Chance Cisco simply because I, I want to be known as a person who calls him Chance a catcher after the rapper from Chicago. But um, there's a lot to be desired in this lineup. I mean, you're looking at like Trey Mancini, like you guys said, uh, the shell and, you know, the cocoon of Adam Jones. I just don't know where the production's going to come from. And uh, like you said, especially with the pitching staff, the ballpark being what it is, just it's just brutal, especially for right-handed hitter or pitchers rather. Um, this whole team just kind of feels like a stay away to me. Okay. Let's move on because I, I think we spent more to, uh, enough time on the Baltimore Orioles just to, uh, to cover all of our bases for the rest of the season. And you know what? If, if you debate us, if you got anything that you feel is different, come at us on Twitter at fantasy six, man at Yancey Eaton at Mikey F 13. We'd be more than happy to discuss that. But for now onto the Boston Red Sox projected batting order as follows. Mookie Betts leading off in right field in left field batting second, Andrew Benintendi. Third, Hanley Ramirez at first base, batting cleanup, J.D. Martinez, the D.H. Fifth, Rafael Devers at third base. Sixth, Xander Bogertz at shortstop. Seventh, Jackie Bradley Jr. in center field. Eighth, Christian Vasquez at catcher. Ninth, Eduardo Nunez at second base. It is worth noting, Dustin Bedroia starting the year potentially on the disabled list. Uh, I believe he's recovering from offseason surgery, so uh, no timetable for his return. The rotation, Chris Sale, David Price, Rick Porcello, Drew Pomerantz, and some combination of Stephen Wright, Eduardo Rodriguez. It uh, It's worth noting that Drew Pomerantz just came out of a spring training start with some tightness in his forearm, but it doesn't appear to be anything serious. It just looks like it was precautionary, and he does look like he's going to take the hill for his next start. So in the bullpen, Craig Kimbrell coming off a really, really strong year last year. Joe Kelly as a setup guy, Matt Barnes, Brandon Workman, uh, Carson Smith in there as well i believe is tyler thornberg still on this team or is that not a thing anymore um i think he is wasn't he hurt most of last year yeah i think that you know what like he's not listed but that's like one of those like that's like one of those guys that like in holds leagues could wind up getting you like 20 to 25 holds out of nowhere with good ratios but Mm -hmm. um so the guy i like to talk about is rick porcello getting drafted 215th overall um we're a year removed from him winning the cy young and He's kind of an afterthought in this rotation behind Chris Sale and and David Price, for that matter. Still a young guy, only 29 years old, I believe. And one of the things that he wanted to work on this offseason and in spring training that I've been reading about is he wanted to get back to throwing his sinker, which was his pitch that made him so dominant in that Cy Young season. It's something that he went away from a lot last year, but started throwing it later on in the year last year with some success. And he said he's actively making it a a point to work it back into his repertoire when he pitches. So for me, you're talking at 215th overall. That's like, you know, in some leagues that might not even be drafted, but you're talking about like starting pitcher five territory. And I think that that's for a guy, like I said, that's, a year removed from winning a Cy Young, that that's that's a pretty big discount. Playing in a you know, playing for a team that's got a decent bullpen and a really good offense, I, I don't know. That's a guy that I'm kind of targeting in my draft. So like, that's that's my take on uh, on the Red Sox. Yancey, what about you? Uh, so for me, I I hate that the Red Sox are good every single year. Just like I hate that the Yankees are good. Oh, we're um, gonna get to is, that. Don't you worry. <laughs> this is an organization that that is run well. That um, you know, they've made some questionable decisions in the free agent market, but for the most part, they don't necessarily get hosed whenever they're acquiring players. Um, 
the exception, of course, would probably have to be like them trading Travis Shaw for Tyler Tyler Thornburg. Like that was probably one of the worst trades we've seen. And then, of course, once Travis Shaw was able to get regular playing time, um, that, that that's a team that probably could have really used that third base production last season. Um, but coming up into third base, they thought that he was going to be ready uh, last year and. It kind of looks like he is. Uh, it's Rafael Devers. Um, he's being drafted as the 11th third baseman, which I think is appropriate. I wouldn't really put him above like Alex Bregman or Anthony Rendon, Justin Turner. Those are much more established guys that have proven over several years. Um, but Rafael Devers is extremely good, extremely good. He's super young. He slugged over 600 versus lefties last season, uh, despite the fact that he is left-handed, of course. Um, he's just a pure hitter. Um, I still think he's kind of coming into his own as far as, like, filling out and buy type. The dude looks like he's, like, 16 years old. He has, like, a Yancey face on him. But um, this is one of those players where I think if there was a um, if there was a third baseman outside of the top 10 that has the chance to be, like, a top five third baseman, I don't think that's hyperbole at all to say that it could be Rafael Devers. Um, all signs just point to this, this guy taking a massive step forward. Um, I mean, he makes tons of contact. He has power. He has, you know, he hits doubles. He doesn't really run a lot, but um, I don't really care, to be honest with you. I'm not really looking for speed from my third baseman, but um, this just seems to be like the next big thing in a long line of just really elite prospects that have come up through Boston. And um, I, I'm just kind of excited, to be honest with you. Um, at 93rd overall for his ADP, I think it's somebody that I'm, I'm kind of willing to reach on even a couple of rounds. So Rafael Devers is one guy I'm kind of actively targeting on this team. All right, Mike, anything on the Red Sox stand out for you this year that you'd like to talk about? Well, yeah, first of all, can you hear me okay? Oh, yeah, we got you. It's all good. You okay, sound great. Good. Okay, good. Yeah, maybe better. Maybe I'll do this. I was actually going to say, you sound a lot better. <laughs> maybe I'll do this more often. I'm oh. on my iPhone now. Uh, okay, so the uh, the incomparable Keith Farnsworth, uh, fan tracks, uh, I, uh, I interact with him on Twitter a lot, and... Uh, he does these fun player comparisons. And Mike, I I'm sorry. I think, he just, I, I think he just dropped the name over there. You want to pick that up? No, no, no. I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> just going to leave it there. You know, he's my Twitter friend. And stuff. <laughs> so, Keith's cool. Know, I'm, I'm big time. Uh, this was an interesting comp of two players from 2016. Player A, triple slash of 286, 361, 505, and 146 games played with 30 home runs, 111 RBI, and 81 runs scored. Player B, Triple slash of 240, 326, 489 in 119 games played. 27 home runs, 74 RBI, 56 runs scored. Player A is going 334th ADP this year's draft. Player B is going 10th ADP this year's draft. I'm pretty sure you know who player B is, but do you know who player A is? Is it Jackie Bradley Jr.? No, it's not JBJ. Ooh, okay. Is it? It's not Eduardo Nunez, is it? No, it's not. Neither of those guys has probably 30 home runs in their career. Think yeah. of the helmet falling off. The helmet? Mm. It's Stanley Ramirez. Oh. Okay. Uh. <laughs> He's getting drafted that late? He is going undrafted in 12-team leagues, basically. Anything, even 14-team leagues, he's going undrafted. You know, this is well, anytime guy, you have Mitch Moreland there, I mean, geez, you know, that's like... I mean, yeah, right. You know, I mean, Mitch Moreland, you, you know, the, the Red Sox are going to need to score runs and the Red Sox need Hanley Ramirez to return to some semblance of what he was in 2016. If they're going to be good, J.D. Martinez or no J.D. Martinez. So what I'm telling you guys is if you miss out on power, because like everybody else, you paid a premium for steals, uh, which is the trend right now. I'm just saying Hanley Ramirez is somebody to keep on your radar very, very, very super late in drafts. 
uh, because he does have the potential. This is a former batting champion. This is a former 30-30 guy. This is somebody who can do it. And he is 34. He's not 44. So, you know, just keep in mind, he's a little nuts. He's going to drive you crazy. But Hanley's got the talent to hit 30 home runs. All right, Mike, real quick, who is the guy that's going 10th overall that you were referencing? That is John Carlos Stanton. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, and with that, let's move on to the New York Yankees. Batting order yes. projected as follows. Brett Gardner leading off in left field. Second, Aaron Judge in right field. Third, Greg Bird at first pace. Fourth, the aforementioned Giancarlo Stanton as your DH. Fifth, Gary Sanchez at catcher. Sixth, Didi Gregorius, the shortstop. Seventh, Aaron Hicks in center field. Eighth, Brandon Drury at third base. Ninth, Tyler Wade at second base. Your rotation shapes up to be Luis Severino, Masahiro Tanaka, Sonny Gray, CeCe Sabathia, and Jordan Montgomery. In the bullpen, Aroldis Chapman, Dellen Betances, David Robertson, Tommy Kane, and Chad Green. I need a shower after reading that because that's just making me very excited. Um, the one guy that I would like to touch on and keep in mind, I know we said earlier that these are projected lineups. Um, I want to talk about Didi Gregorius only because if you look at if you look at Didi last season, he batted cleanup in this time. Now, granted, they did not have Giancarlo Stanton, so it's kind of obvious that. And Greg Bird was hurt for most of the year, so when you have a lack of the bats that that I just mentioned, you kind of move things around and see what fits. But I have a hard time believing believing that Didi Gregorius is going to bat sixth in this lineup, and here's why. Between Aaron Judge, Greg Bird, Giancarlo Stanton, and Gary Sanchez, you might have... First of all, they're all right... They're all right-handed... Uh, no, actually, I think Greg Bird is a lefty. I'm staring at it, but the... Yeah. Uh, between Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, and Gary Sanchez, they're all right-handed hitters, and between all four of those guys, you might have close to 650 strikeouts on the entire season. So... I think that what even if the season starts out this way, I have a feeling that because he's a lefty, you're going to see Gregorius wind up settling in third in that lineup between Aaron Judge and between Giancarlo Stanton. It's just a feeling after watching this team last year, seeing how he performed, seeing how the, the, the lineup is shaping up this year. I think that you're going to want somebody there. And... For a guy that's getting drafted, you know, 106 overall, 10th among shorts of, if you're going to tell me that he's going to bat in the middle of that order with that type of monstrosities around him, like, oh, baby, that could wind up being like a top 50 player at the end of the year. So that's my take. Mike, on to you. All right. Uh, we are going to stay on the subject, my favorite subject of Don Carlos Stanton. Uh, I want to read you some numbers. I want to read you home run park factors. Uh, got these off of fan graphs. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton played his career in Marlins Park, his home games in Marlins Park. Marlins Park has a home run park factor of 0 0.795, one being average. Yankee Stadium has a home run park factor of 1.301. He's going to play 81 games in a park that is top five home run friendly and surprisingly enough for right-handed batters. He's also going to play games in Camden Yards, at the Rogers Center, at Fenway, at the Trop. There are three ballparks in, in the NL East that are below .95 home run park factor. There are, well, there's only one in the AL East, and that's the Trop. I also looked at Giancarlo Stanton's spray chart from last year. There are double-digit fly ball outs that he hit in Marlins Park that would have been home runs 
in Yankee Stadium would have been home runs in Fenway Park, would have been home runs in Camden Yards. Yeah, I know he's going 10th. Yeah, I know there's a fear about there's a fear about regression. There's a fear about injury. Pakoda projects John Carlos Stan to hit around 290. And in the words of fan graphs, if he stays healthy, he's going to wreck shit. Don't be afraid. <laughs> Take him. Here's your hot take. He's challenging 73. All right. Yancey, what's your take yeah. on the Yankees? Uh, there's a lot to like. Um, I think the bullpen, if you guys are playing in net saves plus holds leagues, just about every single person in the bullpen is completely ownable. This team is going to be an absolute nightmare to face. I mean, I, I don't even know where to begin. Like, this is so daunting being a Rays fan and seeing just how talented they are. And shout out to the Yankees for really having a knack for um, developing and acquiring pitchers that are kind of undervalued as assets and turning them into elite relievers and long relievers. Like, I, um, it really is kind of like a sight to see when you look down through their bullpen and just see how many arms they have that could be closers you know elite high leverage situation closers in almost any team in the league um i did want to talk about a hitter however though um i'm not going to talk about stan or uh Didi gregorius or gary sanchez because those guys get a lot of publicity i want to talk about someone that used to be a former top prospect that everybody's kind of forgotten about and i still think has like the chance to kind of break out a little bit and that's aaron hicks um last year he only played like 88 games but he moved around between left center and right field uh, you're going to see this year where it's kind of like a changing of the guard where you no longer have like Jacoby Ellsbury and Brett Gardner starting every single day as like auto locks. Um, Hicks walked 14.1% of the time last year, which is amazing. He only struck out 18.6% of the time and he only batted 266. One of his biggest problems is he does not hit line drives. He hits the ball hard, but he hits kind of like floaters with arches in them, you know, to where they kind of like hang a little bit longer and, and defenders can get can get underneath the ball. Um, this is one of those things we talked about last year with a Christian Yelich, where if he just learns how to kind of hit the ball straight more or hit line drives a little bit more, uh, you can see his bat up go up a lot more and he can actually start really hitting for average. Despite that, even though, uh, like I said, does not hit a bunch of line drives, his own base percentage last season was 372. <laughs> I still think there's a ton of growth there. Um, he's just, I mean, he's a switch hitter. Like I said, he's a great defender. He can play all three positions, former top prospect with a ton of pedigree, makes good contact, does not strike out a lot. Uh, all signs kind of point to him just quietly having a resurgent year. You know, if he can play 150 games, guys, this can be an absolute steal at his ADP. Um, he's being taken outside of the top 240 overall, and he's the 70th outfielder. Um, yeah. I want as many pieces of this New York Yankees offense as I can possibly get just because uh, they're, I think they're going to be really good. I really think they're going to be good. So um, he's just like one of those like fly under the radar picks that I think really going to compile a ton of stats, and he's somebody that I want. Yeah, and the funny part is, is we – well, two things. I don't know if you've seen any of the all-season workout pictures of Aaron Hicks, but he looks jacked now out of nowhere. Um and then the other thing is we never mentioned any of the prospects that are kind of, you know, the, the Gleyber Torres or Miguel Handelar who's tearing it up in the spring. But at some yep. point, I think we're going to hear their names at some point this season as call-ups. And, I mean, wow. Like, oh, for sure. I, I will say this really quickly. I, I know Yankees fans know their team better than I do. But don't be discouraged by the Brandon Jory trade. He is a fine player. Um, he is a below-average player as far as uh, hitting goes, or at least he has been for his short career. Um, he is a placeholder, and Andahar, I think, is going to be up before you guys. So especially if they are wildly in contention, I don't think they're going to be comfortable rolling Jory out every single day. So that's just kind of something to keep an eye out on. Yeah, as a Yankee fan, I was actually happy with that because it doesn't – you know, here's the thing is that, like, these prospects, they're hit or miss. You don't want to – everybody forgets Aaron Judge was brought up two years ago in August and September and looked terrible. Um, 
you don't want to just rush these two into you know into spots where it's they're going to have to be they're, they're going to have to produce day in and day out and it's it's nice to have the option that you have a major league player that can at least like you said hold it down and i think that's what brandon drury can do and i think he can even do some more than that but anyway that's enough time on the yankees let's get to the tampa bay rays batting order projected as follows leading off denard span dh uh batting second kevin kiermeyer in center field third matt duffy at third base fourth carlos gomez in right field fifth brad miller at second base six wilson ramos the catcher seventh cj crone at first base eight a denny hecavaria at shortstop ninth malix smith in left field the rotation chris archer blake snell jake farrier nathan Ivaldi, and either some form of matting dreesey or i think jose de leon might still be in there somewhere in the bullpen alex Com uh Alex Colomay, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, Dan Jennings, Ryan Stanek, uh, Andrew Kittridge, Chaz Rowe. Um, certain things don't change year in, year out. Me butchering players' names is just that's going to happen. As <laughs> I would give that a D. Yes. 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 Are, that, yes. that is going to happen as long as we record this podcast. Um, I mean, Yancey, I'm going gonna, gonna to let you lead this one off because this is your team. Um, kind of... Kind of, kind of sellers this offseason from a team that was, you know, in wild card contention there for a little while. Um, mm -hmm. Does that frustrate you? Is there some good that you can take out of that? Uh, what do you have to say about your Rays? Anything that we should be looking at? Uh, so. It's a little discouraging from a fan perspective whenever, you know, Corey Dickerson and Evan Longoria are literally your two favorite players and you see them both jettisoned away. I understand why the Rays do it. They traded a lot of uh, future salary with Evan Longoria, you know, somebody whose power has been on the decline. He did win a gold glove last season, but, you know, he is a shell of a player that he used to be. So I don't really so much hate that move. It's just I hate that they do things so unceremoniously and they make it so obvious that they don't value these players and, and what they contribute as far as like a, you know, just to the fan perspective of it, you know, trading him in the offseason, he doesn't get a chance at like a curtain call. He doesn't get a chance to, you know, say goodbye to the fans or anything. I know that sounds super corny, but that was something that kind of frustrated me as a whole, though. I mean, despite all, you know, this barrage of trades, you know, getting rid of uh, Corey Dickerson, Evan Longoria, getting rid of, um, you know, Jake Odorizzi, there's, there's a lot of movement in this team. They're still projected right around 80 wins, which is kind of like the sweet spot where they always target. Um, they, they know that a couple things can bounce their way. They, you know, they can get hot. They can win a couple games where they shouldn't. And just like you said, they could be competing for a second wild card. Um, I realistically, I don't want to say that this team has that ceiling in them this season. Um, I did that last year and it didn't work out for me, but um, I mean, who knows? Uh, th there is some fantasy goodness to be had here though. I talked about him last year. I'm going to talk about him again this year. Uh, he's somewhat like, he's almost basically like their best hitter now, now that like Steven Sousa's gone, but Kevin Kiermeyer, if you guys, if he could actually play 162 game season, his, average would be 22 home runs 30 stolen bases 89 runs 61 rbi and a 261 average um that from a counting standpoint a counting set standpoint in rotisserie leagues is super super valuable especially the speed um last year he led off almost every single day especially against lefties i know he's forecasted to bat second with denard span leading off but denard span gets hurt all of the time so yeah that's I don't not really, a lock by any means yeah, i think he's gonna get hurt all the time and you know he is getting paid a lot of money this season and it's probably a contract where if he even gets off to a decent start at all he's going to be jettisoned off and uh you know you'll see Kiermaier batting lead off again there isn't a lot uh, of offensive talent on this 
team. They do have a ton of prospects just waiting that are ready to be called up, like Willie Adamas or Jake Bowers, uh, Jesus Sanchez. Just whether or not that actually happens remains to be seen. But uh, for the most part, I think this is a team that is a stay away from an offensive standpoint. They were next to last in run score in the American League, despite being fourth in all of Major League Baseball in home runs. They strike out a ton. I mean, this, this team has a different look than last season. Um, but... Uh, there's just so many question marks that I'm I'm just kind of staying away. I would recommend that like these are as a whole, maybe just like a DFS play like or a, a league that's super deep where you can have daily lineup moves. Otherwise, you're going to be seeing this team get shut out a lot. Like they're going to be a no hitter watch basically all season. Um, so most of the team is a stay away from me, unfortunately. Really quickly, I, I just want to say about Chris Archer. Um, guys, he's like a silent ace. I know his ERA hasn't been there, but I do expect it to be under four this year. He's been good for 200 innings pitch multiple seasons in a row 220 230 strikeouts like he is like if you don't get one of those studs like i would actually be kind of okay with chris archer a little bit later but for the most part a lot of this team is a complete stay away i mean is he really like a under the radar ace i feel like he's kind of cemented as like a top 10 starting pitcher at this point right well, I mean, I, I think a lot of people look at the ERA, and like I said, like two straight seasons of an ERA above four. But if you look at like a you know DRA, which is Baseball Prospectus's own proprietary stat, which breaks down every single event, including things like weather and, and strikeouts and umpires and everything, it gives you the most realistic uh, number attached to a pitcher as far as things that he can control and cannot control. Yeah. And Chris Archer should be a lot better than he is. Um, I mean, he just has one or two problems as far as like he'll hang pitches, his changeup is absolutely terrible, um, but he strikes out a lot, and that is valuable he pitches a lot of innings and like i said a couple things here or there falls his way and his era is suddenly a 3-3 instead of a 4.2 or something like that so um innings in these days there were only 15 stars last season who went over 200 innings pitched and um, i think chris Archer is going to be another one of those this year so that's that's like i said it's a, it's a cheaper value to where you don't have to pay for the biggest of the big arms and uh doesn't cost nearly as much okay mike do you have anything about the uh, the raise that you want to add be oh, nice yeah, mike huh I said, be nice, Mike. <laughs> I am going to be very nice. I actually like some of the things on this team. Um, you know, I mean, a lot of people talk about CJ Crone as a as sneaky value. You know, you know, I love Kier Meyer. Uh, there's 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 some stuff to like. Malik Smith is a nice cheap source of say of uh, steals late in drafts. But, you know, what I want to talk about is, you know, the state of starting pitching right now is such that, you know, the streaming is very important and you've got to kind of keep your eye out on on starters that are going to, you know, just be on the wire. I think the Rays have somebody who's intriguing and that's Nadia Evaldi. I looked back his last couple of years late. He missed all of last year with Tommy John and in 2016, he struggled pretty mightily. But the last time Evaldi pitched in an extreme pitcher's park league, he's going to be pitching his home games in at the Trop was in 2014 when he was in Miami. And that year, what he did was he posted a FIP of 3.37. He pitched 200 innings and 33 starts and had a 3.30 K to base on balls. You know, his ERA was also well under four. You know, the whip's high. The ERA is a little higher than you'd like, but he does have high average velocity. I mean, the guy had, I think, last full healthy season, the second or third highest average fastball velocity in the major leagues. And he has a lot of K potential, and this is a guy who's going undrafted in basically every league because people are freaked out by the Tommy John and freaked out by the 2016 struggles. This is somebody who you can stream very comfortably, even in deep leagues, that can get you a sneaky quality start here or there. So it's just somebody to keep on your radar for after a draft, I think. Okay. The guy that I'd like to touch on real quick is Wilson Ramos. Um he was kind of a trendy sleeper last year. He was coming back from off-season ACL surgery. Um, 
didn't really get going as much as you thought he would last year. I think he only played 64 games, 260 batting average, 11 home runs, 35 RBI. But after August 1st, picked it up, batted 293 with eight home runs, currently getting drafted 226 overall. I think that's a guy like if you're not going to go after one of the top catchers like a Posey or a Gary Sanchez and you're just going to be one of the last people in your league to draft a catcher. I think that he has a higher floor than most of the other ones that you're going to get down there. And he also has the potential to be something really good. So that's my take on the race. Let's move on to the Toronto Blue Jays. The batting order is as follows. Leading off, Devin Travis at second base. Uh, batting second, Josh Donaldson at third. Uh, third in batting order is Justin Smoke at first base. Kendris Morales batting cleanup as the DH. Randall Grychek is the right fielder batting fifth. Sixth, Troy Tulowitzki at shortstop. Seventh, Russell Martin, the catcher. Eighth, Curtis Granderson in left field. And ninth, Kevin Pillar in center. The rotation is Marcus Stroman, J.A. Happ, Aaron Sanchez, Marco Estrada, and Jaime Garcia. In the bullpen, Roberto Azuna is your closer. Ryan Tapera, Aaron Loop, Danny Barnes, and Sang Juan O are your setup men. The guy that I'd like to touch on really quick with this, and Mike, this is kind of in the mold of what you just brought up. I want to talk about Yan Jarvis Solarde, who's on this team as kind of a super utility type of uh, role, which is what he's he's kind of excelled in in the past. He's eligible at shortstop, second base, and third base. So he is one of those guys that I'm just a complete and total slut for that has the, the multi-position eligibility. Um, didn't have his best year last year. He had like the, I think his batting average was something like 30 points lower than it normally is. But a lot of that was due to BABIP. He had like the lowest BABIP of his career last year. And I think that when you are playing on a team that has guys like Devin Travis and Troy Tulowitzki on it and, you know, to an extent, Josh Donaldson, too, I think that you're looking at somebody that could easily get 450 at-bats between all of those and even maybe some spots in the outfield as well. So just a guy to keep on your radar after drafts, in my opinion. Yancey, is there anybody you'd like to talk about? Nope. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I want to I want to talk about Justin Smoke very quickly. Um, it looks the like a smoke fluke. monster. The smoke dog. It looks like a fluke that all of a sudden he comes out and hits 38 home runs after you know like his career high being 20. Uh, just a lot of things to take in with this guy. This is a former top prospect. I believe he was a number number one overall pick. If I'm correct, I don't know if you guys remember offhand, but he was a first uh, round pick. I don't think he was one overall. Definitely right. a high first-round pick, though. Yeah, so definitely a first-round pick. Um, this guy played 158 games last year. He had 637 plate appearances, both far and away career highs. Um, it, it, this isn't just like a case where he was compiling stats. This is somebody who made a lot of gains. Um, he started hitting more line drives, and his all of his stack has data backs this up. Two years ago, he started hitting the piss out of the ball. Last year, he finally elevated as far as launch angle goes. That is one of those things where like, I think it's sticky year over year from a statistical standpoint, where once you, dis once you display the skill that you can hit balls in the air, you kind of own it. And he did that all of last season consistently. Whenever you look at his hard hit data month over month, 
he was doing it all season. It wasn't like this was a fluky thing where he got hot and then he kind of lost all the mechanics and the plate approach that had kind of gotten him those home runs in the first place. Um, this guy walks double digits. He only struck out 20% of the time last year. And, you know, his BABIP was only 285, where I would expect that to come up even more if he's hitting more line drives. This just seems like the safest, like, 30 home runs you can get. And, I mean, he's being drafted outside of the top 125. I think his last ADP when I checked was, like, 133 overall. He's the 19th first baseman being taken if you count, like, a, you know, like catchers who have first base uh, eligibility, like Buster Posey and stuff. So he's not going to cost you anything. He's safe. Um, you know, a lot of people say he's not sexy. He's not going to steal any bags or anything. But I like the fact that, hey, I know I'm getting 30 home runs. I know he's going to play every single day. And even though I don't think that this Toronto team is going to be very good, um, I think with Josh Donaldson being back and healthy the entire season, it's going to benefit both of those players. And um, he's just somebody that I'm looking to buy. He is so appropriately priced. He's not a, a super bargain. But, I mean, literally 35 home runs in the bag, and you don't have to pay much for it. So, I'm honestly, like I already have smoke in two leagues. I'm, I'm looking to get him just about everywhere I can. Okay. Mike, anybody you want to talk about from the Blue Jays? Yeah. Uh, let me ask you a question. If a pitcher went 15-2 and two with a 3.00 ERA, a 1.167 whip, and a 7.5K per nine, would you take 57 pitchers before you would take him? I think I know who you're talking about. And Who am I, who am I talking about? You're talking about Aaron Sanchez. I sure am. Aaron Sanchez ADP right now is 202. And it's that's according to Fantasy Pros. And I have to tell you, there have got to be 200 leagues with Chris McBrien in it if his, ER, if his ADP is 202. <laughs> that I've seen, Aaron Sanchez has been available in the 250s, the 260s. I don't understand. The guy had blisters. He had a blister problem last year. It wasn't like he had Tommy John. wasn't like he tore a labrum. wasn't like he had rotator cuff. It's a blister problem. This is a top 20 starting pitcher in terms of talent and in terms of rookie season achievement. I think you should take Sanchez. You can wait until the 210s, 220s to take Sanchez. And I think you're going to get yourself a steal. And with starting pitching like it is, that's absolutely paramount. You've got to get those in the middle rounds. Why would you draft a guy like Garrett Cole, who gives me the heebie-jeebies when I can draft Aaron Sanchez literally 120 picks later? It's a good argument. I have no, I have no comeback for that. And on to that, we will move on to the AL Central. Let's start out with the Chicago White Sox. The batting order is as follows. Leaning off, Lurie Garcia in left field. Second, Juan Moncada at second base. Third is Jose Abreu at first. Fourth, Avisel Garcia in right field. Fifth, Wellington Casillo, the catcher. Sixth, either Nicky Delmonico or Matt Davidson at DH. Seventh is Tim Anderson at shortstop. Eighth is Adam Engel in center field. <laughs> Ninth is Yomer Sanchez at third base. The rotation, James Shields, Lucas Giolito, Miguel Gonzalez, Ronaldo Lopez, Carson Fulmer. Uh, it's worth noting that Carlos Rodon, who missed all of last year with an injury, is throwing off of a mound at this point. So at some point you could see him in that, uh, in that rotation. Maybe not. Don't know. Uh, in the bullpen, Joachim Soria is your closer. Juan Manaya, Gregory Infante, Danny Farquhar, and Nate Jones round out your setup, man. Um, I know that we mentioned this earlier about, you know, 
puketastic teams. I really have nothing to say about this team. <laughs> I really don't. There, there's, there's. It's no, bad. There, yeah, there is it's, not. It's it's bad for now. Look, I'm sorry. Like some of the young guys on this team, I understand the appeal to them in dynasty leagues, or you know, if you have like deep keeper leagues, of course you're gonna want to own Juan Moncada. Of course you're gonna want to own Lucas Giolito. But like. What, what? Why am I? Why am I getting excited in drafting any? Uh, what? Lucas Giolito's ADP is. I think it's like one eighty-five, something like that. Like, why yeah. would I get excited for that when I can get like the aforementioned Aaron Sanchez or Rick Porcello three or four rounds later? There's, there's nothing on this team that excites me. Is there anything you want to talk about, Mike? Yeah, there is. Uh, you know, and this is <laughs> this is going to be. I'm going to have two players now in the AL Central that I'm going to compare to Ozzy Albie's, and it's no disrespect to Ozzy Albie's. He's a very exciting player, but why is Ozzy Albie's being drafted ahead of Juan Moncada? Can somebody explain this to me? I mean, Ozzy Albie's has never Ozzy Albie's has never done it. I guess it's because of stolen bases, but Fantasy Pros is projecting Juan Moncada as a 2020 guy, hitting 243, and I think that might be a little bit low. If you remember, he was a 282 hitter in minor league baseball in 2017, and everybody said how raw and undeveloped he was as a hitter. Yes, he struggled in September. I was going to yes, say, he White... struck out a ton last year when he got brought He up. did. He did. But I point out all the time when we're talking about prospects, you know who else sucked his first couple of months in the majors? Mike Trout sucked his first couple of months in the majors. Aaron Judge sucked his first couple of months in the majors. This is the, he's a kid. He's 21, 22 years old. He's got all the talent in the world. I happen to believe Moncada has more upside than Albies. I don't really understand the drafting of Albies ahead of Moncada if you're into that kind of thing. I would take Moncada in the 200s to 250s because he's going to be a 2020 guy. Okay. Yancy, is there anybody you want to touch on? Um, Let's just give Jose Abreu his due. Um, he is a yes, very good but... player. He bats over 300 every single year. He's he's as solid and as safe a pick as you can get at first base. Um, like he's super safe. If I get him in you know the middle of the third round, I'm totally happy with it. Not sexy. Nobody's going to be like fist pumping you in the chat or whatever and, and like congratulating you, at, adding you on Twitter and saying how awesome you are. But he's a very very good player. Um, <laughs> can I just say that Tim Anderson is dog shit? And like, I've, I've been all over this. Like Tim Anderson's really, really bad. And everybody's just like, no dude, like if you prorate this and that, no, no, he walked 2.1% of the time last year. He yeah. played in 146 games and 606 plate appearances. And he was worth 0.2 war. His on base percentage last season was 276. And he doesn't that steal is... because he doesn't get on base. It's like, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, he had, he had 15 stolen bases last year. I think he was caught stealing like five or six times. So like even his percentage isn't great. Like this is not a good player. This whole team is bad. Everything feels like a stay away to me. Um, like I said, outside of Jose Abreu, Yoan Mankata is interesting in, in, you know, leagues that don't really kill you for on base percentage, just cause like, I still don't think the batting average is going to be there, Mike. Like, I think it's, I think it's something that's going to be a little slow to develop, but, um, God, this team looks bad. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. Yeah, I know. Let's move on to Cleveland Indians, which, I mean, for all the years that we've talked about Cleveland being just like the running joke of the American League, it's like, man, when you, we're going to get to some of the other teams in the division, but when you look at who they're playing against, it's just like slim pickings, and it's just like, I guarantee, I, I, I dare any of you to pick against Cleveland to win this division. So, Dear order, Lord, this team is good. Yeah, the batting order is as follows. Francisco Lindor leading off at shortstop. 
uh, batting second, Jason Kipnis at second base. Third, Jose Ramirez at third base. Fourth, Edwin Encarnacion at DH. Fifth, Michael Brantley in left field. Sixth, Yonder Alonso at first base. Seventh, Lonnie Chisenhall in right. Eighth, Roberto Perez at catcher. Ninth, Bradley Zimmer in center field. The rotation, and this is where the bread is buttered, ladies and gentlemen. Corey yep. Kluber, Carlos Carrasco, Trevor Bauer, Mike Clevenger, Josh Tomlin, Danny Salazar probably going to miss opening day, uh, start the season off on a DL, but he will be back in there at some point, which... I mean, there's probably a bunch of uh, that. Well, that's one of the things that I would like to talk about, but we'll uh, we'll we'll get to that in a second. In the bullpen, I mean, you you want to you want to praise the Yankees bullpen? This is just as good almost. Cody Allen, Andrew Miller, Dan Otero, Nick Goody, Zach McAllister. Um, the guy that I want to touch on is Mike Clevenger, who kind of by default now has a spot in that rotation, but I have a feeling that even when Salazar comes back, he's not going to be the one that gets bumped. I think it's going to be like a Josh Tomlin, or maybe they're one of those teams that go to a six-man rotation. I, I don't know. Francona's kind of kooky like that, but you look at his numbers when he was a starting pitcher last year to compare to when he was a reliever. Um, 2.12 whip as a starter, 1.82 whip as a reliever. Uh, uh, 206 batting average against as a starter, 267 batting average against as a reliever, uh, 2.33 K per, uh, uh, strikeout to walk rate as a starter, 1.8 strikeout to walk weight, walk rate as a reliever. I mean, this is a guy that just he belongs in a rotation. He needs to be a starter, and I think that once he gets a, a month under his neath, underneath his belt and he's producing as a starter, I think he's not going to leave that rotation. So that's what I got. Um, Mike, let's go to you. Who would you like to speak about? Well, I was also going to talk about Clevenger, and I'm going to keep it going because I totally agree with you. Let's do a comparison, okay? Trevor Bauer is going 136th overall. He's a good pitcher. ERA 4.19, FIP a 3.88, 1.367 whip, 10.0 K per nine, which is fantastic. Let's look at Clevenger. 12 and 6. 3.11 ERA, FIP 3.85, 1.249 whip. The K per nine was 10.1. That is sick yeah. for a starter. That's absolutely sick. The main, so basically, Clevenger, a full run better in ERA, lower in whip by more than a tenth of a point. The FIP is identical. The K per nine is better, except that Bauer's going 136 and Clevenger's going 211. Yep. I would take Clevenger over Bauer. He would be the third guy on this staff that I want to own. Uh, in order, I would put it at Kluber, Carrasco, then Clevenger, then Bauer. Do not draft Danny Salazar. When Danny Salazar comes back, he yeah, he'll come back, but he's going to the bullpen. Clevenger's not coming out of the rotation because he's too effective. I have he's a feeling, though. I, I do have a feeling that, like, that ADP on Clevenger, this is going to be one of those guys that two weeks from now he's going to, like, not be getting overdrafted, but be getting overdrafted. I don't think he's going to stick in the 22nd round. I think you're going to start seeing him creep up draft boards and he winds up. I mean, but even if he winds up going in like the 15th, as you're like starting pitcher three or four, that's not bad. Those are still top 30 starter numbers. Exactly. That, yeah. And uh, if I'm getting that guy at 150 or 160, I'm still happy. Yeah, I think that's a guy that you might have to re reach for in your own drafts as your weeks go on. Yancey, what about and that's you? that's okay. Yeah. Yancey, is there anybody you'd like to touch on? Um, let's talk about Jason Kipnis very quickly. Uh, in 17 spring at-bats, he has six home runs. <laughs> yeah, another one yeah. today. 
Yeah, which I think is kind of funny. Um, I, I just want to temper people's expectations just a little bit. So he was hurt last year. He only played like 90 games. Um, so I understand that last year was kind of a wash. I, I think at one point they were even playing him in center field or in left field. So they were moving around positions, everything. It looks like this year he's going to be cemented back at second base. Um, this is a guy that has like a 762 career on base plus slugging percentage. He is a fine player. I think in rotisserie leagues he's more valuable. Um, I just... I just don't understand like what the hype is about him. Like for years I bought into it and like, he is a fine player. He is okay, but please let's not get crazy. Like I've been looking at his ADP in like the last like week and a half, it's literally climbed like 15 to 18 spots, depending on which site you look at. Um, let's just remember, let's take into account this type, this guy's entire career and let's not over analyze literally 17 plate appearances. Um, and then last I really just want to touch on Bradley Zimmer very quickly. He is slated about ninth. I think the batting average might be a little bit of a liability, but this is a guy that could steal 20 to 25 bases for you and he's pretty cheap and then looking top to bottom on this lineup i do think that they're maybe an acquisition away this looks like a team that's going to add a bat i don't think they like the platoon of like brandon guyer and lonnie chisholm hall out and right so like this feels like a, a team that is going to be buying because i do expect the rotation to be very very good and lastly mike you you mentioned trevor bauer i don't think trevor bauer is a bad pitcher but i think that that whip is always going to kill you like think if, yeah. if he if he pitches 190 or you know even touches 200 innings yeah that's great and you know he won like 17 games last year which you know really boosted his fantasy value but if he's giving you 200 almost 200 innings of a 1.35 or 1.4 whip he's actually kind of doing more damage to your ratios than the wins mm -hmm. are going to overcome. So that's just kind of like a player that's a stay away for me. But as a whole, I do think the team is very, very good top to bottom, but look for them to add midseason definitely in the outfield. Okay. On to the Detroit Tigers, AKA dumpster fire. Number two in the AL central, they're batting, <laughs> they're batting order leading off Leonis Martin in center field, who I feel like was a sleeper in like 2014. Um, Batting second, he was. yeah. Batting second, Mikey Matuk in left field. Third, Miguel Cabrera at first base. Fourth, Nick Castellanos in right field. Fifth, Victor Martinez, who might be 50 years old, batting at, at the DH. Uh, Sixth, <laughs> James McCann at catcher. Seven, Jaime Candelario in third base. Eight, Dixon Machado at second base. Ninth, Jose Iglesias at shortstop. The rotation. Michael Fulmer, Mike, <laughs> Mike Fires, Jordan Zimmerman, Matthew Boyd, and Daniel Norris. In the bullpen, Shane Green, oh boy. Um, Alex Wilson, Zach Renninger, Daniel Strumpf, and Joe Jimenez. Man. Wow. I got a headache after that. I, I mean. Wow. Can they just trade Miguel Cabrera to somebody just so that way he doesn't have to, like, so he can ride off into the sunset properly? Mm. I, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, it's a bad team. Yeah, I got nothing on this. I, you know, Michael Fulmer's already, like, banged up in spring training. Um, Jordan Zimmerman's going to get hurt eventually. I feel like Mike Fires was a breakout candidate three years ago. That never took place. Uh, you really, like, there's no... I don't see the value of anybody on this team. As far well, as I got one for you. Okay, go ahead. I do have one for you. Now, granted, this is 94 at-bats, but this is in September. What if I told you that you could go, uh, you could grab a guy at ADP 402 who hit 330, triple slash 330, 406, 468 with a 131 OPS plus and plays third base? That's Heimer Candelaria. 
you know, everybody everybody is sort of overlooking this guy. And Yancey, you know, as as you've said how many times, 100 times, what what is the hardest stat other than stolen bases to duplicate on the waiver wire? Batting average. Exactly. 330. Now, granted, he's going to hit 330 for a full season. No, probably not. But this kid's going to hit 300. You know, the, the, the hype on guys like Nick Senzel and, you know, if we're talking about third base, is just astronomical. Senzel's going like 150 picks before Candelario. Candelario hit Major League Pitching last year, and he hit it to the tune of 330. So, mm. you know, third base especially, you know, there's no depth at third base whatsoever. Candelario is somebody that you can stash after drafts that's going to give you a nearly impossible stat to duplicate. And he's likely going to start the season like as the starting third baseman, whereas he's Nick Senzel, going, like yeah. we don't know when we're going to see him. So exactly. I like that. Candelaria is going to play every day because, I mean, look at that lineup. Who the hell else do they have? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of the point. They have nobody else. There's nobody else, and they ain't going to put Castellanos at third base because Castellanos, it, 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 Castellanos plays third base like he has no hands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Uh, Yancy, anybody you'd like to touch on? I'll just say that Shane Green is like the last closer that I'm kind of like semi okay with as like my second or third closer. Um, he is not great. This bullpen behind him is even worse though. So I think weirdly enough, like I don't think he's a great pitcher, but as far as like safety at his position, it's not going to matter to the Tigers if he's blowing saves. I think he's pretty much locked in as a closer for much of the season. So he's a cheap way to get some saves. And uh, I just want to say very quickly, guys, like, Jason isn't good at pronouncing names, and he actually pronounced Heimer Candelario's name different before the show and then changed it whenever he said it the second time, which is really impressive. But he got it. He, he didn't got get it. it. Bro, don't, don't hate the skill. Like, just, you got, <laughs> don't hate, congratulate, my man. That's what you got to do. Uh, it's good to be back, fellas. It's very good to be back. Um, Let's move on to the Kansas City Royals. The batting order is as follows. Whit Merrifield at second base. Second, Jorge Bonifacio in right field. Third, Alex Gordon in left field. Fourth, Salvador Perez, the catcher. Fifth, Lucas Duda at first base. Sixth, the the, the incredible Jorge Soler at DH. Um, seventh, Chesler Cuthbert at third. Eighth, Paul Orlando in center. Ninth, Alcides Escobar, the rotation is Danny Duffy, Ian Kennedy, Jason Hamill, Jacob Junis, Nathan Carnes, in the bullpen, Calvin Herrera, Brandon Maurer, Ryan Butcher, Willie Peralta, Kevin McCarthy. So there are some fantasy values here that I feel like you can take advantage of. I would like to say, I think that we need to pump the brakes a little bit on Whit Merrifield. He's going like... 92nd overall in most drafts and he's kind of being taken as I think the 7th or 8th second baseman off the board um, he had a pretty high Babbitt last year which accounted for a lot of his batting average I think it was like 310 um, and he doesn't that's walk. That's not at all, though. That's almost like league average. That's yeah. about league average. His average batting average was 288 last year. Yeah, I know. But it, if you look at him in the minors, he never hit above like 266. So also hit 283 in 2016. Yeah, but that was in a small sample. That was like what uh, 300 at bats. So yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's like half a season. So, but my point is this: is I think that like everybody's going crazy over him because of the 15 home runs and the 30 steals from last year with the batting average, and. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for, like, 25 steals. I think that maybe the pop could still be there. But, like, I don't something about this just screams Jonathan VR to me over again. Like, where 
maybe not that intense because you know you're not going to take him like within the first three rounds of a draft but I don't know I'm not going out of my way to draft him I feel like that's my kind of take on him just based on the fact that I I think that the batting averages are going to come down a little bit he never ran this much in, in the minors he didn't have this much success getting on base he's still not taking a ton of walks like his walk rate's like under five uh, under five percent so you know if you're gonna bat lead off i feel like you need a, and you're gonna steal bases at a higher clip i feel like you need a higher on base in order to do that that's again just my just my okay. opinion on it it feels it feels very jonathan viari to me i got you do you mind if i answer it though yeah go right ahead because i have so because i have sort of an opposite take now i was you know i i went into this offseason about whit merrifield thinking that everybody could jump all over whit merrifield and i don't understand it and it's a career year or whatever but now I'm doing mock drafts and I'm starting to do my drafts in the leagues that I plan. And again, I'm watching Ozzy Albies get drafted before Whit Merrifield. And what the hell is going on, folks? Really? You just hate Ozzy Albies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't get it. You know, this is a guy who hit 288 last year. Yes, he had a little bit of a he had the, the power surge was what was surprising. He went from three home runs in 2016 to 19 last year. But 34 steals, his his running rate, he had eight steals, eight for 11 in steals in 2016, and he batted 283, and his OBP was identical. He doesn't take a lot of walks. Even a 25% regression in power is still a solid second baseman. He's hitting at the top of the lineup. He doesn't have a challenger immediately right there. Why the hate? I don't get it. I think the backlash has gone too far. I will say this. I would rather draft Whit Merrifield around 100 than I would draft Ozzy Albies around 120, which is where you're going to have to draft him. If you draft Whit Merrifield, though, make sure you get your hands on Alberto Mondesi, because that is the young guy uh, that, if Merrifield struggles, will play. And uh, you can get Mondesi off your waiver wire. Nobody's going to draft him. That if he plays, he's a 30 steal guy. Yeah. But I mean, I just think the Merrifield hate's gone too far. I, I don't get it. I mean, to me, it's like if you were telling me that I can get Whit Merrifield at like the 13th or 14th round, fine. I'm happy with that. I just, I don't know if I, and I agree with you that it's probably not like, well, first of all, Ozzy Albies is getting taken like 160th overall as far as what I'm seeing. But I don't have either of those guys really on my radar. Like there are guys get, that are getting taken by like Ian Kinsler is getting taken 170 overall. I'd rather wait and take Kinsler yeah. than, than, than get, than get Whit Merrifield in the top 100. That's just me. I feel you. I feel you. Okay. Uh, you I'm just going to jump in really quickly just because there's really nobody else that I want to talk about but what Merrifield. So he did play in 145 games, guys. He's, he hit 19 home runs and he stole 34 bases. This team got absolutely gutted. Lorenzo Cain is gone. Mike Moustakis is unlikely to resign with the team. Eric Cosmer obviously is gone. This team looks a lot different this year. They're going to have to generate offense in some way. This is their best offensive player. I think he runs even more. And I mean, that really puts his, you know, his range within like 40 to 45 stolen bases, which is incredibly, incredibly valuable, valuable, even at 288. That's a that's a huge benefit to your batting average in fantasy. I think the league average batting or the, you know, the average league wide batting average last season was like 255 or 256. Obviously, in fantasy, it's much higher because you're only drafting the best players. Um, but I, he's an asset there. It, with the home runs, a lot of people say that that was super fluky. His home run to fly ball ratio was less than 10%. It was at like 9.2%. So like there was nothing fluky at all about his home runs. He just struck a bunch of balls really, really well. I think this is a dude that um, he's a lot like Chris Taylor, who 
people just don't believe the fact that like a player can stick out like that. And I I think two, three years down the road, we're going to view him just like we did like Justin Turner, where they had a breakout. We didn't didn't want to believe it. And then they just kept doing it year after year. Um, The speed thing is totally replicable. And like I said, with, and, and, and this day with like, just how plentiful home runs are. The fact that he hit 19 home runs last season should not be like an anomaly at all. I think he repeats it and he goes like 2040 as like a realistic expectation. So he just got to get on base for me. If he gets on base then then that that's entirely possible. But if you're my lead, but if you're my lead off hitter, you got to have an on base percentage a little higher than 320. That's, that's just, I just feel like if you're going to boost that up 30 points by all means, then yes, I hear every, I, I agree with everything you say. Sure. Okay. All right. Um, Minnesota Twins batting order. First, Brian Dozier at second base. Batting second, Joe Maurer at first. Third, Miguel Sano at third base. Fourth, Logan Morrison, the DH. Eddie Rosario batting fifth in left field. Sixth, Byron Buxton in center. Seventh, Max Kepler in right. Eighth, Jorge Polanco short. Ninth, Jason Castro, the catcher. The rotation. Irvin Santana was supposed to be the ace of this staff. It looks like he's going to miss something like 10 to 12 weeks. So Jose Barrios, uh, Jake Odorizzi, Kyle Gibson, Alberto Meja, Annabelle Sanchez, all rounding out the rest of that rotation. In the bullpen, Fernando Rodney's your closer. Addison Reed's there, Trevor, uh, Trevor Hildeberger. Alan Buzinich and Tyler Duffy all in the bullpen. Um, just I want to bring up with Logan Morrison that, like, he signed there kind of late. Um, he's currently getting drafted 207th overall. I think that's going to get boosted up over the next couple of weeks. I think that that ADP is kind of stale. And I think that if you want a shot at him, look, he hit 38 home runs last year in a career year. Target Field's a hitter's park by all the metrics that we've looked at so far. And I think that somebody like... You know, if he's going to bat fourth, this is he's going to get it. He's got a bunch of guys in front of him that are going to get on base, and I think that you're looking at a guy that can hit the 30 to 35 home run platform again. Like Anthony, you know how you were talking about taking Justin Smoke earlier and banking away the 30 home runs. I think yep. you can kind of do that with Logan Morrison too. Maybe only maybe 25 if you want to go conservative, but if he's getting drafted in the 18th round, that's pretty damn good. So. For me, I think that that's some good value lead. Uh, would you like to chime in on that, Yancey, or do you have somebody else you'd like to talk about? No, I like it a lot. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I was doing research, and can I just, like, pour one out for Joe Maurer? Like, I think it's so sad that, like, uh, just because he doesn't hit home runs, which I understand is a huge part of a first baseman's offensive value. Like the guy still just, man, he is an on base machine. I think if, yeah. if history were a little different, where if he just played a different position, like his entire career, we would look at him in a much different light. And it's just kind of sad to see like his ADP is like almost 400 and he bats, you know, right around 300 and, you know, in on base percentage leagues, he can really help you out. But just the fact that like he hit seven home runs last year, like people are going to forget about it. But um, really quickly, I just want to touch base on Eddie Rosario guys. Eddie Rosario was really, really, really good last season. I mean, he flirted with 30 home runs and at least 10 steals. I think the steals can go up. He batted 290, 328, He is a good player. His walk rate went up. Uh, he showed better plate uh, approach. You know, he played in 151 games last season, which I think is about as high as we're going to see. Um, but he is just a really, really solid player who can help you out in a lot of different ways. Um, I really quickly, I want to touch on Max Kepler too. He's, you know, one of the few lefties that they have in this lineup. I I want to see him take a step forward, primarily because like I'm invested in him in multiple leagues just because I waited on outfield too long. Um, 
I do expect the Swins offense to be a lot better, and it has the, the production can either come from one or two different players, like a Buxton, or it can be spread out amongst the entire lineup. I think just through Max Kepler being in the system longer and just being a solid 250 guy, I think he can take that step forward this year. And with the lineup being better around him, I think he can like slowly come into like you know flirting with 90, 100 runs, uh, like a batting average that won't kill you. And then he's he runs and steals a little bit. So. Or um, he hits home runs and steals a little bit. So he's kind of somebody that I'm like eyeing as like a really late end game outfielder. Okay. Mike, anybody you want to touch on? Yeah, I have a real quick question for you. Would you rather take Eric Hosmer at an ADP of 80 or a guy who slugged 507 at an ADP of 95? The latter. Yeah, thanks. So why wouldn't you, why would you take Eric Hosmer before you would take Miguel Sano? Why would you do that? I well, think that's I, the I, I think that's the impending uh, suspension. There's a lot of people who seem to be of the of the thought that like he is going to be suspended like really really hard once stuff comes out about like his whole um, you know domestic abuse kind of thing. So I think that plays into know, a lot of ADP. I know I personally pass on Sano a lot. Yeah, I mean with, with that, it's it's just it's just you know, and you have to keep it. You have to of course keep an eye on that. But if he uh, gets out of that, and if the suspension is you know, if the suspension is not uh, half the season or a season or whatever it is. If he gets a suspension of say 10 games, 20 games, whatever it is, this is a guy who can really help you. This is a 507 slug, 28 home runs and 424 at bats last year. Uh, a domestic abuser. Yes. He's a piece of crap. We don't like him, but in fantasy, we don't look at names. We look at numbers. And if numbers are going to help you, those numbers are going to help you. This is a skill set that's undervalued today because he doesn't run. All he does is hit home runs. We think home runs are plentiful. This kind of this kind of power is not plentiful. So if you can get a guy like if you can get him, if he doesn't get suspended for half the year or the entire year or whatever comes out in that case, uh, exonerates him in any way, I would say, yeah, that would be somebody that I would like to have, especially at that ADP. All right, guys, let's move on to the AL West and we'll start off with the Houston Astros batting order. I mean, I feel like this is like looking at the prom queen after looking at like, because this is just, you, 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 look, you look at some of the guys <laughs> yeah. that we were just, we were just talking, we spent a good like five minutes on, and I'm going to say his name completely wrong for the third time. We spent like 10 minutes on Jaime Candelario and. No, you got to write again. Oh, okay. <laughs> and now here we go with George Springer leading off in center field, Alex Bregman batting second at third base, Jose Altuve batting third at second base. Uh, Carlos Correa, the shortstop, batting cleanup. Josh Reddick batting fifth in right field. Marwin Gonzalez, uh, maybe Derek Fisher in left. Uh, Yuli Gurriel batting seventh at first base. Maybe Marvin Gonzalez in there, too. Uh, eighth is Evan Gaddis at the DH. And ninth is Brian McCann at catcher. Uh, the rotation works out to be Justin Verlander, Dallas Keuchel, Garrett Cole, Lance McCullers Jr., Charlie Morton, in the bullpen, Ken Giles, Hector Rondon, Chris Davinsky, Joe Musgrove, and Joe Smith. A little bit of turnover from what they had last year, but still, I mean, I would consider that a, a strength of this team nonetheless. So lots of things to talk about. I think that, you know, there's... I don't want to say if you want to look for value in this team, there's there's a you know there, there's not a ton of value, but I feel like there's certain guys that if you're targeting them later on, you can get like I, I mean I, well let's let's start with you, Mike. What, what would you like to touch on with the Astros? 
Oh, man, they're just so good, all of them. It's yeah. unbelievable. Um, it, you know, this team is going to be really, really good. They're going to win you know, 100 games again. They're going to be right there at the end. The thing that I kind of wanted to touch on, I mean, if there is any debate, this is from a uh, Paul Sporer wrote a uh, wrote a peacekeepers column. Uh, and he did a, a little study about Chris Davinsky and Joe Musgrove. Now, if you read uh, the baseball holics guys, uh, Thorburn does not like Chris Davinsky's mechanics. Spora pointed out that Joe Musgrove is going to take some of Chris Davinsky's innings. Chris Davinsky threw 84 innings pitched last year, which is a little bit too high for him. He had a great year, but he's averaged two innings per appearance. That's a heavy, heavy workload. And that with a guy with those kinds of mechanics, he's kind of all over the place. It's unrepeatable. It's maybe a little inconsistent. That would be uh, a red flag for regression. Musgrove last year, if you look at it, once they moved into the pen, he was fantastic up to 50 pitches. So he's good for three, four innings. He can really eat into a lot of Davinsky's, uh, Davinsky's uh, opportunities. So those of you in saves or hold, in save plus holds or holds leagues that are, got, that are grabbing Davinsky going, it's going to be just like last year. I want to kind of pump the brakes on it and be like they, they have depth in the bullpen now that's going to allow them to sort of ease back on Davinsky and really save him for when they need him. So Musgrove is a guy to keep your eye on if you're looking for some cheap holds late. Okay. The guy that I was going to say that has some value just in the sense that you're not going to have to spend like a, a, a fifth round pick on or like or higher. Um, Marwin Gonzalez is going to get at bats in that offense. I mean, now Yuri, uh, Yuri Gurriel is going to start the year out. I think on the disabled list, I think he's only going to miss maybe three, two to three weeks, maybe four weeks. Um, but they, they find ways to get this guy at bats. And last year produced, you know, he had over 300, was an all-star last year, uh, 23 home runs, 90 RBI. He, he's going to he, – he brings that multi-position eligibility, which, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a total and complete slut for. Um, they'll find at bats with this guy. Right now he's slated to be their everyday left fielder, but the good news is is that with all of the bats that they have and all the guys that they're going to need to give rest to, he's going to probably find his way into at least 450 at-bats, and in those 450 at-bats, he's not going to just give you, like, the averages. He's going to give you the counting stats, too. So that's my take on him. Uh, Yancey, who would you like to talk about? Uh, so, like you mentioned, Yulieski Gurriel is going to miss a couple of weeks with a I think it was a hammy injury or something like yeah. that which isn't like a huge injury but I mean that's I don't know like I, I don't like it especially from somebody that's 34 years old and does not have like a long relationship with the organization like this was a guy that was signed as a Cuban uh, you know veteran that, like I said the guy's 34 years old he's going to turn 35 this year I, I, I don't feel like he's just like an as soon as he comes back he's just going to completely take over first base and just hold it all season long um the Astros have two players at first base, Tyler White and AJ Reed. Both were amazing last year. Uh, Tyler White specifically in Triple A. Let me show you where was it? In Triple A, as I stall. Give me one second. Sorry, I, I had it pulled up and I messed up. Well, AJ uh, Reed is another guy too that was one of their bigger prospects. Got right. called up last year and just struck out a lot. But like, how many times have we seen that with Slugger first baseman? Like one of the guys you mentioned earlier, Justin Smoke, that was his problem. Um, yeah, right. you know he's still a young guy. He's 23 years old. Like I feel like that's you, you want to talk about the future. Like the Astros farm system is loaded with guys like this. Where you know we haven't even mentioned like Kyle Tucker yet. 
Yeah, exactly. So, like, sorry, thank you for selling. I, I found it. Last year in You're AAA, uh, I'm not the best White in the business hit. for nothing. Like. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, Tyler White hit 300, had a 371 on base, and he slugged 528. He was called up to the Astros. I know it was only 22 games, but uh, hit 279, 328, 525, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, that's one option. Like you guys mentioned, AJ Reed, one of their top prospects. Uh, the shine has been taken off of him. Like, he went from being like a top 15 dynasty first baseman to struggling a little bit, and now he's just buried on the depth chart. I think that one of these guys, they were both award winners in AAA as far as offensive production goes. Um, if one of these guys takes a job in spring and runs with it the first month, I think they hold on to it the entire season. Like I said, this is an organization that has no ties. Uh, there's no, you know, like warm feelings with Yulieski Gurriel. He was essentially a rental, a placeholder uh, until the first base prospects came up and, and relinquished that role. So I think those are some like really, really, really late, like last round flyers that you guys can take as like a corner infield spot or a utility spot, um, especially if they announce it by the end of spring training who's going to actually be starting in first base that can give you a ton of value super late in your drafts yes very 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 cool all right let's move on to the los angeles angels of anaheim batting order as follows leading off ian kinsler at second base uh batting second mike trout in center field third justin upton in left cleanup is albert Pujols to dh fifth is cole calhoun in right Sixth, Zach Cozart on, uh, at third base. Seventh, Louis Valbuena at first base. Eighth, Andeltrin Simmons at shortstop. And ninth, uh, Martin Maldonado at catcher. You'll notice I did not mention uh, Sohei uh, Otani in there at all in the, uh, in the batting order. It's been why do, you, why do you hate Otani? Well, it's been said he's yeah, going to be. What, why's got to be hate on Otani? Yeah, he's going to bounce between <laughs> DH and Pulhos is going to bounce at first base. But I mean, he they have not yet confirmed that he's going to have an everyday role in the lineup. So he is going to have a spot in that rotation, which also includes Garrett Richards, Andrew Heaney, Tyler Ska Tyler Skaggs, uh, Matt Shoemaker. J.C. Ramirez in there as well. Uh, in the bullpen, Blake Parker, Jim Johnson. Cam Bedrosian is your three-headed monster at closer. Also, Kenny Middleton and Blake Wood is in there as well. So, um, it sounds like one of you guys wanted to talk about Otani. If you, if, if, am I? No. No? I could just touch on him really quickly and say that. Um, all the gifts that we're seeing and all the, the video and stuff coming out of spring training, I think he is super talented. And I'm not going to sit here and knock on him as far as like a player goes. Um, being in a six-man rotation, coming over already and not pitching that many innings, like it's a, it's a completely different culture over there as far as innings pitch goes. Um, I I just don't see where the value is. Like I've seen him going in like the fourth and fifth round, like yeah. it's like the top 75 pick. Um, there's no way that he's going to return value on that. And especially because like a lot of the leagues like Yahoo, they make you, you know, draft two players as a pitcher and as a hitter. So if he's only going to DH once or twice a week, he's going to get limited at bats. I mean, where's the value as a hitter? Where's the value as a pitcher? I mean, in, in all seriousness, like he could be awesome and only give you, you know, a hundred innings. That's rich Hill. And I feel like I could get Rich Hill a lot later and yeah. get much of the same ratios. And like I said, this isn't a knock on him as a player. I think he's fantastic, but I just don't think the volume is going to be there. And yeah. really quickly before I kick it back to you guys, I will say, though, as a whole, I'm a buyer when it comes to um, this <laughs> this pitching staff. And I, I, I will say 
the improvements that they've made. Martin Maldonado was a gold glove catcher last season. Mike Trout is a phenomenal defender. Angelton Simmons is the best shortstop in baseball. Ian Kinsler still rates out by DRS and UZR as one of the best second basemen in, in the league with the glove. Um, there is so much defensive talent on this team that if any of these pitchers, like Matt Schumacher and especially Garrett Richards, is able to stay healthy, you could see like a serious boost in their production. Garrett Richards right now, he's like my darling kind of like I, I, want, I don't want to call him a sleeper because everybody knows he's immensely talented, but he's being taken as a 46 starting pitcher at 171 overall. Supposedly, he's completely healthy right now. If he is, guys, this is a dude that can touch 97, 98 with a four-seamer and a two-seamer. Has absolute filth. Like, this is somebody that I would be looking to, you know, I would draft him as a three, but he has the possibility of being, like, your staff ace. So that's just another name to kind of keep in mind. You might not um, even but, have but to draft him as, like, a three. You know, you, you might you even You could draft him as a four. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and there's another, there's another guy on that staff, and I wasn't going to talk about him, but there's another guy on that staff. We talked about Dylan Bundy earlier. Dylan Bundy 2.0 was Andrew Haney yeah. two or three mm -hmm. years ago. And yep. this guy is their number three starter. You want to talk about pedigree and all the talent in the world. Yeah, what trade you know, did, with, he come, uh, did he come over in? He came over in, was it something? Oh, God. I he was traded. That was the D. Gordon. D. Yeah. Gordon. D no, because D, D Gordon. No, D Gordon was traded for not not uh, the Angels. H Haney. I'm almost positive it was. Oh, uh, uh, maybe not. Let me look. D Gordon came from the Dodgers to the Marlins. Okay. Andrew Haney I'll was definitely it. he was definitely a Marlin. I know that he was a Marlin. He came from the Tigers. I think it was in the Miguel Cabrera trade. Okay. Okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I guess is that all on the uh, is that all on the Angels? I didn't know if there was anything else. You really quickly, the Dodgers and Marlins announced a blockbuster deal that sent D. Gordon, Dan Heron, Miguel Rojas uh, for left-hander Andrew Heaney, uh, Kike Hernandez, Chris Hatcher, and prospect Austin Barnes. Heaney has since been traded to the Angels. Right. So, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, you win. Sweet. Sorry, that has nothing to do with fantasy. We just had to like settle this on the air. <laughs> That's fine. At some point, Mike and I are going to get into our John Carlos Stanton contract argument. But it's um, thought we were going to do it today. No, we're not going to do it tonight. We're running long, so let's go. Let's move on to the Oakland Athletics. The batting order is as follows: leading off, Marcus Semien at shortstop. Batting second, Matt Joyce uh, in left field. Third, Jed Lowry at second base. Fourth, Chris Davis at DH. Fifth, Matt Olson at first base. Sixth, Stephen Piscotty at right field. Uh, seventh, Matt Chapman at third base. Eighth, Bruce Maxwell at catcher. Ninth, Dustin Fowler in center field. The rotation, Kendall Graveman, Sean Manea, Daniel Mengden, Jarrell Cotton, and Paul Blackburn in the bullpen. Uh, Blake Trininger, closer, Liam Hendricks, Yusmero Petit, Ryan Dull, and Daniel Columbine. Um... I think that this is an interesting team. I think it sucks that they're in, like, a loaded division. We didn't even get to, like, the Mariners and the Rangers, who I feel like have improved. But, like, there's definitely some things about this team to get excited about. Like, Matt Olson, I think, is a guy who, like, you know, you saw what he did in the limited at-bats last year. I, I feel like I feel like there's something about him, like, where his he's – other than, like, Giancarlo Sin and a couple other guys, I feel like this is a guy that's just, like, a pure power hitter. Like, mm -hmm. if, if you watch the way that he hit last year, he just has that, like, natural swing to him where the ball just – it, it pops off his bat. It, it reminds me of, like – it reminds me of like two years ago when Trumbo hit like 47 home runs and how they would just exit the yard. It's the same kind of feel. But um, what do you guys think? Is there anybody that you're targeting, Yancey? Let's start with you. 
I love Matt Olson, and I understand that the home run to fly ball ratio was totally unsustainable. The amount of home runs that he hit in as short of a time, it doesn't look it doesn't look like it's sustainable, and it's not. He's not going to hit that many, but I think he's an awesome player. I think he's the fact that he's first base outfield. I love. I think he's really really good, and I think this guy is living with him. I don't care that he plays at Odaco. Like I think that that power is going to play up anywhere. I want to talk about one other player really quickly, and that's Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman is young. Hardly anybody knows about him. Um, he hit over 40 home runs combined between AAA and the majors last season. He is a gold glove defender at third. He costs nothing. His ADP right now is 283, and I think that is an absolute steal. I think this is one of those dudes where at the end of the season, it's going to be like Chris Davis was for a couple of years, where all of a sudden he just winds up with 40 home runs, and everybody's like, what the hell did that happen? Like, I'm not going to put the prediction at exactly 40, but just know that that's in his range of outcomes, and you're getting him for next to nothing. So Matt Chapman, I've already drafted him once in our TGFBI league, uh, the big industry league that's going on right now. Um, I think that he is an absolute steal and just the cheapest power you can possibly get. Okay. Mike, anybody you want to touch on? Uh, yeah, real quick. I just want to touch on the closer for the Oakland Athletics. You mentioned Blake Trinan. Um, he's somebody who I feel real, real comfortable with, especially if I get one of the elite closers. Having as my second closer, you can't think about Blake Trinan in Washington because that wasn't the real deal. You got to think about Blake Trinan in Oakland. It was a 2.13 ERA. finished 24 games for them, 13 saves with 42 punch-outs and 38 innings pitched. And if you remember how he started in Oakland, it was still pretty rough. He was still working out some kinks from Washington. He had a couple of rough outings out there. But if you own Blake Trinan in September, like I owned Blake Trinan in September, he won me a title last year. He and Sean Doolittle basically won me a title uh, being just dominant in the bullpen behind, uh, behind a dominant closer. So if you're looking for a real cheap closer, you can get him super, super, super late. Very, very cheap source of saves. And Oakland's going to play a lot of close games. You're going to get a lot of opportunities. 24 games finished in half a season is a lot. And uh, I think Trinan Trinan is pretty bankable. All right. Let's move on to the Seattle Mariners. Batting order as follows. D. Gordon leading off in center field. Um, Batting second, Gene Segura at shortstop. Third, Robinson Cano batting batting third, Robinson Cano at second base. Fourth, Nelson Cruz at DH. Fifth, Kyle Seager at third base. Sixth at first base, Ryan Healy, although he might start the season on the disabled list. He is taking grounders, but he has not played in game action yet. Uh, batting seventh, Mitch Hanniger in right field. Eighth, Mike Zanino, the catcher. Ninth, Ben Gamble in left field. The rotation, Felix Hernandez, James Paxton, Mike Leak, Erasmo Ramirez, Marco Gonzalez, and Ariel Miranda. In the bullpen, Edwin Diaz, Juan Nicasio, Nick Vincent, David Phelps, and Emilio Pagan. So, I really like the way that this team was constructed. I feel like there's a ton of speed at the top, and then in the middle of that lineup, a lot of guys that can hit for power and will drive in runs. Um, Mike, is there anything that stands out about this lineup to you? Well, I mean, I think it's pretty damn good, top to bottom. And what I wanted to touch on, basically, is I just want to point out to you guys it's, again, a non-sexy pick. No one is going to chest bump you. No one is going to fist bump you if you pick him in your drafts. But please don't be afraid to pick Nelson Cruz. I'm looking at his stats right now. The last three years, people forget about him because he's old and you've heard about him forever. He's been playing for this is his 14th year in the majors. The last three years in Seattle, the, he's played 152, 155, and 155 games and basically had the exact same season. He has got over 130 home runs 
since he went to Seattle. He's hitting between 302 and 287. He slugs the same. His OBP is the same. Cruz is bankable 41-20 for you, especially with those Jackrabbits at the top of the lineup. Do not be afraid to draft Nelson Cruz. He's not going to get old. It's going to it's this is going to go on one more year. So you're not going to have to worry about power if you draft Cruz early, like in the third, fourth round. I would I would take him and put 40 homers in the bank. Yeah, don't worry. Like a lot of people get worried that they're clogging up their DH spot with somebody like that. You not with that. Yeah, you can't worry. It's like the whole like David Ortiz thing back when he was still there. Like you, yeah. you know what you're getting and it's good production. So you might as well just roll with it. Um, yeah. Yancy, anybody you want to touch on real quick? I, I was going to make the same point about Nelson Cruz, so well done, Mike, on that. Um, I just Thank want to you. say that John Segura is a very good player. He's batted 300 and 319 each of the, uh, the last two seasons. Last year, stole 22 bases, hit for some double-digit power. Um, he's just about as safe a pick as you could possibly get, around ADP 75. Really helps you in the batting average, and it doesn't kill you in other, carry, uh, you know, in, in other categories. And just having that speed you know, paired with the batting average, you know, he's not like those little rabbits that are going to absolutely kill you in multiple categories. So he's just somebody that's, uh, like I mentioned with Justin Smoke, he is so approachable appropriately valued i wouldn't really move him up over a lot of other people that are being drafted ahead of him and i wouldn't really move him down either um i he's just a safe non-sexy pick that i i keep making over and over again yeah another guy just to touch on it too robinson cano um last year hit yeah hit 280 last year 23 home runs uh 97 rbi 79 runs scored he's getting drafted like 62nd overall i don't know that just seems a little like Seems like that's like like a steal almost to get like that type of production at second base like that late in the draft. It's the same thing as Nelson Cruz. Don't be afraid of these guys. Yeah. I mean, I know he's going to be, what, 34 years old this year, but still, like, I feel like that's just that that's kind of like that's kind of like giving him away at that point. But anyway, let's move on to the Texas Rangers, our last team. The batting order is as follows. Delano DeShields uh, leading off in center field, kind of like one of those like trendy sleepers that everybody's talking about this year i feel like um batting second elvis andrews at shortstop third shin su chu at dh fourth adrian beltray at third fifth no more mazara in right field sixth joey gallo at first base seventh robinson Torinos to catcher eighth willie calhoun in left field ninth rodnet odor at second base i can't believe i pronounced that correctly um rotation as follows you didn't <laughs> it's Runyed. Runyed. Oh, <laughs> the rotation is Cole Hamels, Matt Moore, Mike Miner, Doug Fister, Martin Perez. Um, Tim Lincecum signed with this team. There is rumors that he's going to pitch out of the bullpen and not in that rotation. They're also trying Matt Bush in the rotation this spring. Um, hasn't been going well for what it's worth. But in that bullpen, uh, Alex Claudio is your de facto closer right now. Keon Kella and Jake Diekman are in the running for it as well. And uh, the aforementioned Matt Bush and Tim Linskin will also figure their way into this as well. So interesting team. I feel like this that, that lineup enough is going to produce runs for him. But I feel like their rotation is just like a plate of heart garbage. Um <laughs> Mike, what say you? Is there anything about this team that interests you? Uh, there are some offensive pieces on that team that I really like, especially a guy like Adrian Beltre. If you do a side-by-side with Beltre, he basically looks like Nolan Arenado. The only difference is that he's 122 picks later. Uh, don't and 120 him, years old. old. Well, yeah, he's old, but he's still good. He can still do it. Adrian Beltre is still good. And if you're drafting him in the 15th round, then I don't think it matters. 
The guy I want to touch on, though, is a guy who I'm seeing getting drafted in the top 100 because he hit 40-some-odd home runs. He hit each of them about 900 feet. And that's oh, perfect. Joey Gallo. Yeah, that's perfect. Joey I Gallo. love that you're talking about him because I'm also going to talk about him. Do you realize that this man has a K rate of 37%? That's not good, Mike. <laughs> that sucks. I read a hot takes column off a of Bleacher Report. I don't remember with what website I was reading it. And I happen to agree with it. Here's a hot take for you. Joey Gallo is going to spend half his season in the minor leagues retooling his swing. You cannot exist in Major League Baseball with that kind of a wild, long, looping swing. Yeah, he's got a lot of power, but I got a feeling this is going to be this year's Kyle Schwarber. People are going to draft him, ignoring average, think they're getting Chris Davis. They're going to get Kyle Schwarber from 2017. I would stay far, far away. Well, they are going to get Chris Davis. This is going to be Chris Davis from, like, 2009 or 2010. Yeah. You so, see that champagne? You see yes. that champagne agrees. She agrees. She's not a Joey Gallo <laughs> fan at all. So, nope. Um, Yancey, is there somebody you would like to touch on? I would also like to touch on Joey Gallo. Yes, he hit 44 home runs, and yes, he struck out the second most in baseball at 37.2%. But this guy walks so much. When you look at his batting average, he batted 209 last year, which I will admit is absolutely egregious, right? And and, in batting average leagues, that really could kill you. However, I don't think, I mean, he could literally just luck into batting 240 or 250 right around league average. And with the amount of times that he walks, I mean, he, he walks like 14 or 15%. Like he is right up there in the league lead in total walks. In OBP leagues, like this is, like he could legitimately be like a top four or five third baseman with all those home runs with the on base percentage being as it is. And like I said, I don't think that he even touches anything close to 200. Um, this is like Rune Odor where it was like everything possible as far as, uh, you know, the strikeouts were as bad as it could have been. His BABIP was as bad as it could have been. Um, I, I just feel like just through natural regression, like he is going to bat 230, 240, you know, not helping you in the category, but not absolutely tanking your batting average. And if it comes with 40 or 50 bombs, like I am actually weirdly okay with it. The the fact that he does walk though gives him such a buffer like we don't you know uh teams don't look at a player and say like oh well you know what his batting average isn't great like they they've moved on they realize that this dude gets on base that he is an offensive you know run producer i just think that he is so uh, it's weird saying that he's safe but like you're going to get so much power from him and in an offensive environment where everybody keeps saying like, Oh, there's so much power. You don't have to pay for power. You don't have to pay. For... No, that's not how scarcity works or how, or how um, availability works when there's more power. That means you need to have more power to distinguish yourself amongst other teams. Right. Uh, really quickly in the TG FBI league that I just mentioned earlier, I have Chris Davis, I have Nelson Cruz, I have Aaron Judge, and I have Joey Gallo. I want as much power as I possibly can because that is going to separate me from every other team that is going for the balance approach of having a bunch of guys that hit 20 home runs. I have four or five guys that can hit 40 to 50 home runs. You see what I'm saying? I'm going to distance myself so much more and and supplement that by having like really high batting average guys like a DJ LeMayhew or, uh, you know, like a John Segura. Like those are going to be my guys in my middle infield that kind of boost that batting average or I'm kind of middle of the pack. I, I, I can't tell you, like, I think the sky is a limit with this guy. It's like, you guys don't realize, like, he could literally hit 270 and have 50, 60 home runs, and we'd be talking about him like we do John Carlos Stanton. I really, truly believe that. He could also strike you. out 250 times. Who cares? I get you. I get you. And a strikeout is an out, and he does have a high OBP. I just think Kyle Schwarber has an eye, a high OBP as well, and Kyle Schwarber ab- absolutely stunk last year. Yeah, I think that was Edelman my point. Backlund bet is in order. Yeah, if he yeah. goes, if he go, if he gets 250 strikeouts on his own, he's not going to hit 270. That was my point. 
Fair enough. I'm just saying in on base percentage leagues, especially guys, this is a top 50 player easily. Yeah. We shall Not see. So I, I think that that's definitely like a good debate for us to monitor throughout the year because I, I'm on the fence with Joey Gallio. I don't have like, I don't have a feeling one way or another with him. I don't have any exposure to him in any of the season long leagues that I'm in, but I understand both of your points. I under like he, in my opinion, he's got to bring back to, he's got to bring down the strikeouts, but He's also a guy that, like, he might be one of five guys in Major League Baseball that could hit 45 home runs and and not bat an eye. So yeah. it's it's going to be fun. These are one of – see, this is why we play fantasy baseball, for stuff like this. So yeah. that's our American League preview. Hit us up on Twitter, at FantasySixMan, at MikeyF13, at Yancey Eaton. Have some discussions with us. Let us know what you think about our rundown. Let us know what you think about our predictions, about our advice, about our about our analysis. Um we we want to we want to interact with you all again. It's been far too long. It's been uh, it's you know Yancy's way active on Twitter. I know Mike is too. I I want to get involved in this. I need some more friends on Twitter. This isn't uh, <laughs> this, is, this isn't this isn't fun for me yet. So um, we're gonna be back next week, I believe, with uh, with our National League preview. Um, and uh, good luck to anybody this coming weekend if you have your drafts. Hopefully, this could have helped you out a little bit. Um, anything you guys want to add before we close? I just wanted to say very quickly, like you said, um, feel free to reach out to us, guys. If you guys ask us questions, we can implement them into the show. Uh, I know that this was a super fast, truncated, abbreviated edition of like an, an entire league's preview. Um, once we start getting closer to the regular season, you guys are going to see a lot more um, kind of like in-depth content, a little bit more consistent content. But just as like a starter, just to get caught up as like a an initial like, hey, we're back kind of thing. Like it just had to be a little abbreviated like this, like I said. But um, expect a lot more, uh, a lot more, you know, in-depth analysis, I guess, in, in future episodes. Mike, any last words? God, it's good to be back. Yeah, it is. It's been too long. <laughs> On that note, this has been the Dear Mr. Fantasy Podcast, where we put the fan back in fantasy baseball. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Dear Mr. Fantasy Podcast. To join the discussion, please check out the Dear Mr. Fantasy Facebook page, and don't forget to leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. 